so that that's a mindset, this idea that you can't afford to save. So I would say no matter how much money you make, no matter how many bills you have, but pay yourself first. That means take something off the top and put it aside into your savings, period. It's not negotiable. Just do that, even if it's a small amount. So this it's shifting your mindset from to a saver's mindset. Hey, 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 welcome to the Hope and Show. This is the podcast that explores the power of holistic wellness and empower you with the tools and resources to become the best version of yourself. We use the wellness model that includes spirituality, mental health, physical health, financial well-being, relationship, occupational wellness, leisure, and fun. How does all these things come together to make us who we are? And how can we live a balanced life? I'm your host, Mildred Dix, and I'm excited to be on this life journey with you. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of The Hoping Show. I'm your host, Mildred Diggs. Today, our guest is somebody who I've worked with personally, uh, Ms. Lisa L. Baker. She owns a practice called Ascentum, and she really helps people with their finances, their career, and, you know, building relationship and networking with other people. Today, we're going to be focusing on her financial background and just empowering people with tools and resources to really improve their financial health. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Oh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate the opportunity. So like I said, today we're going to be focused on wellness, but from a financial standpoint. And in previous episode, we have talked about mental health, nutrition, you know, physical activities, all the other areas of our, you know, lives. But today we want to focus in on your finances because your financial health really determines the kind of care and the kind of tools and resources you were able to acquire to be able to improve your overall health and wellness. So I think it's, it's a really important topic. I'm so glad to have Lisa on the show to be able to really help us, you know, dig deep into this. First, Lisa, you know, as a tradition, we like to ask the guests, who are you? So when I say Lisa L. Baker, who are you? My name is Lisa L. Baker, and I am the founder of Ascentum and the creator of the Grow Finances course. I am unique in the space of coaching because I'm not only a financial coach, but I'm also a career coach and and a success coach, a leadership coach. I really help people on three key areas, and they are the pillars of my coaching practice, Ascentum. I help people with their connections, and that is all about building meaningful relationships because I believe that that it's people who will give us access to the information, the things that we will need to be successful in this life. It's people who open doors for us and allow us to walk through. And then then career. And that is all about how you make your impact in this world. It's the work that you do, whether you are working for someone else, you're owning your own business or both. I help you to have the career that allows you to earn the money that you deserve, to be paid what you're worth and that you love the work that you're doing. And then the piece of finances. And that is all about your income and having the building wealth so that you have the financial means to support and fund your life from 
your early days through your latter years. And they all, for me, work together to create a solid foundation for success, having the right people and connections in your life that give you the influence that you need, having a career that you love that allows you to make an impact, and then knowing your finances, getting that together so that you have the income that you need to fund your life. And so that that's who I am. My, I'm proud to say that I have an award-winning coaching practice. Ascentum is on Inc. 2022's Best in Business list for coaching and career development. Thank you so much. I'm honored. You know, I exist to, to serve and really to support people in this space. And I am about really, as you said, wellness. It's a whole picture. And Ascentum is all about growth. It's it's ascending from one level to the next. So this is not a once and done. It's not you're not going to get there overnight. But step by step, you can make progress to move yourself forward from where you are to where you really want to be. And that's where someone like me, who is a coach, can come in and help you to get there faster. So a lot of people, you know, finances have been impacted by so many things that has been going on over the years. You know, whether it's COVID, the inflation, um, high price of goods, and our financial wellness has really been impacted some more than others. But for the most part, a lot of people, you know, finances have been impacted over the last couple of years. So when we are talking about financial wellness, what does that even mean to you? This idea of financial well-being, financial wellness, financial wholeness, and financial literacy. These are all words that are very important to me. So when I think about financial well-being, it is about kind of the total picture of what makes us healthy financially. So that means that you have a budget and a plan and a way in which you're managing your finances. It means that you are free from financial worry and stress because you have a plan for your money. It means that you're able to manage and meet your financial obligations in the present. And you also have a plan for growing your wealth and building up savings and long-term investments for your future. So that in other words, you can live the way you want to now and enjoy your life, but then also have a plan for the future so that you can retire whenever you're ready to do that and live comfortably into your later years. So we know lack of finances can cause a lot of stress, right? And because all of our lives are interconnected, when we lack finances or our financial health is in where we want it to be, it can be a stressor. And if you have listened to any of the previous episodes, you have heard the some of the guests talk about how stress affects your physical and mental health, right? But I know another area that, you know, money can really impact is our relationships. So how is our financial wellness, you know, interconnected to other areas of our lives? Yeah, absolutely. And you've you've really hit the nail on the head in that it is all interconnected. So as I said at the beginning, the beginning of being financially well starts right here with your mindset and your beliefs and values around money. Because what you think or what you believe about money will absolutely shape how you feel about it. And it will shape the actions that you take related to money. So if I have a poor money mindset and I'm making poor financial decisions, I'm going to experience negative results with my finances that could look like being burdened with debt. 
It could look like not being able to meet my monthly needs or my obligations. And that creates stress. The worry about how you're going to provide for yourself, you know, not knowing whether or not you're going to ever be able to pay off those student loans, you know, not having the the credit that you need to buy a home or buy a car. Or if you do, you if you're paying such high interest rates because your credit isn't where it needs to be. All of those things create stress and financial worry and burden. You carry that in every area of your life. So yes, it can affect your relationships. The number one thing that couples argue about year after year, time over time, remains money. That is the number one thing that people get into arguments about. So you've got money fights, money worries, money stress, and now you go onto your job right? To work. (laughs) And you bring all of that with you. And so, you know, someone says the wrong thing, does the wrong thing, and and you're already upset and worried, and it just creates more pressure. The other way it affects your work is that a lot of times we're doing work that, frankly, we don't love. We don't enjoy the work that we're doing, but we feel stuck. You're stuck because you need that paycheck. Now, that's another layer of stress, in the situation. And that's where getting your money right is so important because it gives you free freedom. It not only gives you freedom from those worries, the stress, the frustration, it gives you confidence to know that you'll be able to achieve the goals that you've set for yourself. And it also gives you power. People say money is power. No, money in and of itself is not power. Money is just a thing. It's a tool that we use. Where the power comes in is that it allows you to spend your money, invest your money for the things that matter to you. So you can send your children to the schools that you want to go to. You can pay off those debts. You can buy the dream home. You can buy the dream car. Whatever the dream is, take the dream vacation and pay for it and not be in debt because of it. That's power. You can give to causes that matter to you. That's where the power comes in, because now you have the financial wherewithal to influence the things that matter to you and to live the life that you desire. So our upbringing influence our views around money, whether for good or for bad. What are some ways our upbringing, you know, really impacts our view around money? Yeah, for sure. Our our family of origin absolutely shapes our beliefs and values around money. One of the questions that I'll often ask people is to just fill in the blank. When I was growing up, money was fill in the blank. And I often hear some common words. Money was scarce. Money was hard to come by. You know, whatever that feeling is, whatever you learned or saw from your parents and financial situation. So for me growing up, I thought money was hard to come by because my my dad said money doesn't grow on trees, right? It's just not out there. So, but if that's the belief that you have, if you believe that money is hard to come by, guess what's going to happen in your life? It's going to be hard for you to get money because you believe that as opposed to if you believe that money is abundant, there's money everywhere. I just have to figure out how to get it. Then you behave differently. If you were in a family where you were constantly faced with struggles financially, maybe you your 
utilities were cut off from time to time. Maybe food wasn't always available because you you didn't have money. All of those things will shape how you see it. Or if you grew up in a family where people just spend without thought for the future. I have money now. It, it, it's hard to come. So I'm going to do whatever I want to with it right now while I have it. All of those kinds of behaviors shape how we come into adulthood with thoughts around money. And guess what? We bring that into our relationships. So somebody listening to you and I say, Lisa, Mildred, what you saying is great. Where can I start? What will you recommend that they start? Yeah, so it's one of the reasons why I um, wrote my ebook, and it's called Financial Therapy Change Your Beliefs and Change Your Life. <laughs> and I will, um, I can share a link with it to for you and for your viewers because it starts with first of all assessing what is it that you really believe. <laughs> with anything, it starts with that assessment, really thinking about what your beliefs are with money and changing your mindset, whether it's about money or anything else, is really as simple as making a decision. It's not easy all the time, but it's simple. You can choose to believe something else. So if the belief that you currently have isn't serving you well, you want to replace that with a more positive money belief. The other thing is to think about what you say. Be really mindful of your words because our words have power. And sometimes we say, well, I don't know what my values are around money. But if you listen to your thoughts and listen to the words that you say when it comes to money, that will give you an indication of what you believe about money. And so you can start to say something positive, start to think differently about it. And then the other thing is just educate yourself. There are people like me who are financial coaches that can help you. There's books that you can read. There are There's so much information that's online. Now, you certainly have to be cautious because that can get confusing or overwhelming too. But it's, it's also part of the reason why I created the Grow Finances course because you know, while not everyone can necessarily afford to work with a coach one-on-one over a long period of time, but I do believe that everyone deserves access to a solid financial education. And so with Grow Finances, in just four short weeks, a person will get a solid financial education that they can carry with them um, into their lifetime and that they can share with others and grow as it relates to finances. The G is for getting out of debt. That is the first step. If you're burdened with debt, that is going to be detrimental to you being financially free and building wealth. So week one is all about getting out of debt. Week two is about retaining more of your income. In other words, keeping more of what you make. Because you know we've all heard stories, right? Or maybe even know someone who came into a lot of money. Maybe they won the lottery or whatever. In a short time thereafter, they were bankrupt and struggling financially. It's because they didn't know how to use money in the first place. And it's not about how much you make. It's about how much of it you're able to keep and invest and make it grow and work for you. So that's what week two is all about. How you keep more of what you're making in the first place. Then week three is about organizing and protecting your assets. That's the O in grow, getting organized and putting protections in place. That's part of your financial well-being. So it's not enough to just be out of debt. It's not enough to just start building savings. You have to protect the assets that you build. That's having the proper insurances. That's having an estate plan. You know, and especially for younger people, millennials, you may not be thinking about your estate or you don't think about what happens when you die. You're young. You're going to live forever, right? (laughs) 
But the earlier you start, the better you are um, in your lifetime in terms of wealth building, because you can allow your money to sit for longer and get the effects of compounded interest. And finally, the W, the fourth week is about walking in wealth. Because wealth and well-being is about more than just money. It really is the total picture of your life. And so we talk about what that really means and how to have a step-by-step process to really walk in wealth and, and keep that for long term. And so that's what the course is about. And that, and that is, you know, again, another way or a way, right, that you can educate yourself and start to get comfortable with numbers and to release the fear around it. And to let go of the stress, you know, one of the best cures for fear is, I think, getting the facts, because a lot of time we're afraid because we just don't know. But sometimes people think that budgeting means that you don't want them to be, enjoy their lives. You want them to be frugal. What will you say to that? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So there is a balance. Right. And I, I am a firm believer for enjoying your life now. But one of the things that we have to learn as adults is the idea of delayed gratification. You can absolutely have everything you want in this life. You just may not be able to have everything you want right now, right now. And so the idea is that you make a conscious decision about how you want to live now and what you want for your future. And so if for some people, they want to get really aggressive because they want to save as much as possible build up, you know, as much investments as they can. And so they may live a little bit more frugally than someone who says, no, I want more of a balanced lifestyle. And there's nothing wrong with either way. The goal, though, is to be intentional about it and have a plan that aligns with your beliefs and values. That really is the key. But you, I, I will tell you, you, you can have it all, just not all at the same time. So if you make a sacrifice now, right? Maybe live a little bit more frugally now, save a little bit more now. Then when you get further down the road, when you're further in your plan, when you're out of debt, et cetera, you will have freed up so much money now that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. You don't have to be as, as conservative. So that's the key. There are trade-offs as like anything in life. Right. So there, you know, there are a lot of myths out there. I'm pretty sure being a financial coach, you have heard most of them. So what are some of them and how can you debunk it? Because I, I was listening to Chris Hogan uh, from the Dave Ramsey team. And he said, if, you know, a lot of people say when I'm older, the government's going to take care of me. But he said something that stuck with me. He said, if the government can't fix the potholes, you know, and on the street that you live on, how can you trust them with your to take care of you when you're older, when you're really going to be needing uh, money for like care and, you know, you know, wellness stuff. How can you trust them to take care of you when you're older? So what are some other myths out there that you've heard that, you know, that needs to be talked about or even debunked? Yeah. So that, well, you just mentioned one, this idea that I don't have to worry about the future because, you know, social security will take care of that. Forget about it. Let's, the, the reality is that there are folks who are making decisions in Washington, D.C. every day about whether or not we should still have social security. They're using those funds for a number of things. And with the, the change in the way people are working today, where we have so many more entrepreneurs, people who are gig workers, they're not paying into social security, right, either. And so that money, that funding will not be there. The average social security check 
um, last year was around $1,500 a month. That's the average. So can you fund your life on $1,500 a month? It's the question. <laughs> For most of us, the answer is going to be no. That won't even cover your housing, your food. You cannot. So if it can be a part of your financial future, but if you're depending on that to take care of you, that that is that's not going to work. Um, the there's also this idea that still seems to be floating around in terms of paying off of paying off debts that you should focus on the highest interest rate debt first. Um, I say no to that also. And the reason why I say that is because that highest interest rate debt may be a potentially could be a very large debt. So um, I am a master certified um, coach with Ramsey Financial. And so the approach that we take is to focus on the smallest balance first so that you build momentum, eliminate the smallest debts first, and then take that payment and snowball it into your next debt. That will build momentum more quickly and you'll get out of debt much faster that way. People who say, well, I can't afford to save. I hear that very often from people. I can't afford to save. I say that is absolutely not true. That is a belief. That's a mindset. And you and I would tell you, here's a way to shift that mindset to say, if I earn even one dollar, I can afford to save. I can afford. If you earn an income, you can afford to save. The reason why is because you put yourself first. Pay yourself first before you pay any bill, before you pay any creditor, take something off of the top for you. So you think about it. Do you ever hear anyone say, well, I can't afford to pay my payroll, payroll taxes. I'm just not going to pay that. I can't afford to. No. And the reason we don't say that is because those taxes are paid up front. That money comes off the top before you ever even get your paycheck. Right. So your payroll taxes are always paid if you work for an employer who's taking that money out for you. This idea that you can't afford to save. So I would say no matter how much money you make, no matter how many bills you have, but pay yourself first. That means take something off the top and put it aside into your savings, period. It's not negotiable. Just do that, even if it's a small amount. So this it's shifting your mindset from to a saver's mindset. A saver um, saves first. They spend what's left after saving as opposed to the other way. Well, I'll save what's left after spending. No, no, no. Save first and then spend based on what's left. Now, if you are in financial difficulty, as some people are, where you don't have enough money to cover all of your financial obligations, that means someone is not going to get paid. That someone should not be you. Pay yourself first. Then prioritize the things that matter. Someone may not be able to get paid, but don't let that be you. Don't cheat yourself because you work every day. You earn the money. It should, some of it should come for your benefit. So going back to budgeting, I know one of the things that people say when it comes to budgeting is that it can be restricted. Like I, you know, walk to the store. I see this thing that I like. I want to buy it. But now I look at my budget. It doesn't fit. We you know within my budget. So now I have to either take that money from somewhere or I have to go over. Uh, what can you say to that mindset? 
That's another myth. That's another one of those things we have to stop. A budget. People think it's restrictive, right? You are, you're telling me, no, you're limiting what I can do. I will tell you that the exact opposite is actually true. Having a budget is very freeing. Now, why do I say that? Because your budget is simply a plan. What I tell all of my clients is this. If you tell your money where to go, you don't have to wonder where it went. Now, think about that for a minute. How many times have you earned money? Maybe you even went to the ATM. You took some money out and a day later, maybe even later in the same day, you're like, what happened to that money? I know I took some money out. Where did it go? You know why you don't know where it went? It's because you didn't have a plan for it. Every dollar that comes into your hand should be given an assignment. Money is a tool that we use to work for us. So you tell money what to do. You don't let it control you. And that's what your budget is. Your budget is simply a way of you telling your money where you want it to go. So this is budgeting made simple. First of all, your budget should be what we call an every dollar budget. Another term you may hear that means the same thing is a zero sum budget. What that means is every dollar that you earn should be assigned to something so that if I subtract all of your, your, in, all of your expenses from your income, the net result would be zero. So what that means is, let's say, for example, you made $2,000 this month. That's what you expect to have come in, $2,000. That means $2,000 needs to be assigned to something. So because I, you heard Lisa L. Baker, your financial coach, tell you to save first. Right away, you're going to take something out of that $2,000 and put it into your savings to put it aside for you. So let's say that's $200 that you decided to save. You're going to save 10%. Great. Now that means you have $1,800 left to cover everything else that you want to do. So if you want, you need food, you need shelter. If you're going to buy clothing, if you're going, if you have subscription services, everything that you plan to spend money on, you want to go out with the, with the girlfriends, you're going to go and get your hair done. You have a gym member, whatever it is you're going to spend on. It all should be part of your plan so that you're not finished budgeting until you have zero money left to budget. Now, the key is living by that budget. It's one thing to create the budget. It's another thing to use that to govern your spending. And that is a big shift for many people. But what happens Every time with all of my clients, with everyone that's gone through my Grow Finances program, I tell them at the onset, if you live this way, where you create a budget and assign every dollar, I promise you, instead of it being restrictive, you're going to feel like you got a raise. And every time they come back and say, you were right, Lisa, I found money. Because what happens is when you don't have a budget, it's like a leaky faucet, right? Money is just dripping. It's going out somewhere, but you don't know exactly where because you're not tracking what you're spending and you don't have a plan for your money. So when you create a budget for every dollar and you look at what you've been spending, you'll be able to recover money that you were spending unintentionally or unawares. For example, I had a, a client. She went through the Grow Finances course. 
Her mindset was one of, you know, feelings. She had previously been a single mom in her life. And so she felt like she needed to hold on to money to make sure she could provide for herself and her, her child, even though that season of her life was well past. She's married, has <laughs> makes good money now, but she was still living that way. So she felt like she couldn't spend. And she said, I don't have money for this. or I don't think I can do that. But when she started looking at her budget, one of the things when we went through week two about retaining more of your income, I said, look at where all of your money is going. Check your subscriptions and things that you're spending on that are automatic that you might not even be aware is happening. She found $800 in her budget in subscriptions that she didn't realize she was still paying because they're just on automatic. But by looking at her budget, setting a budget and looking at where her money was going, she was able to bring $800 a month back into her budget. So we all create budgets. Well, not we are. I took that back. But, you know, there's some of us, there's some, you know, people who, you know, try and create the budget, but then have trouble sticking with it, with their budget. So what some practical tools that people can use to really make sure they implement the budget. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, a number of things. So once you create your budget, one of the first things that you can do and you should do is track your spending. So you can do that a number of ways. There are apps now that let you do that um, for budgeting apps where you can see what you're spending and categorize it. Or you can do the old fashioned way. Keep receipts. If you spend something, make sure you get a receipt so that you can go back and look at where your money is going. And for example, if you set aside this month and you said, I'm going to spend $500 this month on groceries, then you need to look at your receipts and say, what did you actually spend on groceries? to make sure you're staying within budget. Another way to do that is kind of go an old fashioned way. Use cash. So if you if you set $500 as your grocery budget, then when you go to the grocery store, take $500 with you. You can't spend more than what you have in cash. <laughs> and that will that will keep you within the parameters that you've set for yourself, but really it's about discipline. The Bottom line is you have to discipline yourself and find what works for you. So for me, I do everything online. I will track what I use my debit card for most everything. And when an expense comes through, I put it, you know, log it to the category that it goes in so that I can see how am I tracking toward my budget. And if I'm going over in a particular area, then guess what that means? That means I have to take money out of another area to keep it a zero sum budget because you can't spend more than you have. So if I set 500 for groceries and I spent spent 600 for groceries, well, that's $100 that I need to take from some other category in order for my budget to stay balanced. You know, this is not like the federal government where you can have a trillion dollar deficit. <laughs> you no, you, you cannot run a deficit. If you run a deficit in your personal finances or even in your business finances, that's called bankruptcy. You're going, you're headed for bankruptcy. You cannot, only the government can run with these huge deficits year after year and keep borrowing. In your personal life, That's you cannot do that. And so that means if you go over in one area, you have to take it from another to keep your budget balanced. But you have to be looking at it. And that's how so many of us get into financial trouble. We simply aren't looking at it. So that's another reason why I say your budget is actually freeing. It's going to free you from that stress and that worry because you're going to know exactly where your money is going. And I promise you, 
you will find ways to keep more of your money because you're going to realize that there are some things you're probably spending on that you didn't intend to, or maybe you intended to spend, but you didn't intend to spend that much. I know we talk about how your upbringing can actually influence your financial health. What role, you know, your network plays in, you know, you being healthy financially versus being unhealthy? Yeah, remember I said connections is the foundational pillar for Ascentum and because people matter. Who you associate yourself with um, will determine the course of your life. So you want to surround yourself with people who are also thinking like you in terms of wanting to manage their finances, trying to be financially whole and well. The other thing is you want to surround yourself with some people who are further along in their financial journey than you are, whether that's family members, friends, a financial coach, someone like me, but someone who can encourage you along the path that you want to be on. It may mean that you cannot associate in the same way with some friends or family members because Either they're trying to encourage you to spend money that's not in your budget to spend or they're they're wanting to borrow money because they're going to see you living your life now in a much more disciplined way. And it's going to seem like, man, she always has money. He always has money. Yeah, because you're managing it. And so they and so I have certainly been um, fell prey to this in my past where my family members oh you got it. You can loan me this or uh, let me borrow this. And then they never pay back. <laughs> so setting boundaries is another way, having the right people in your circle at first and then setting boundaries for yourself and the people in your in your life and sticking to that, because that's going to get you to your goal of financial wellness much faster. So I want to bring up something that may not be applicable to everybody listening to this episode, but I thought it was worth bringing out because being originally from Liberia, when it comes to money, sometimes it can be challenging because, you know, people expect that when you're in a certain financial situation, you are expected to be there for everybody financially. And so how can People create a balance of helping others because we we want to be a blessing to others. When you can be a blessing, you should be a blessing. But how can you create a balance in helping others and uh, making sure that you are financially stable? Yeah, yeah. You're not being true to the, the values of your culture or true to yourself. But here's the beauty of a budget, too, right? This is This is why your budget, I think, is so freeing. Because and I, I am a giver. And so it, it's part of my purpose and my mission to give. In fact, 20 percent of what I earn through a Centum for coaching, we give back to support economic well-being, financial literacy, etc. So I am a giver by nature. But here's the beauty of your budget. If giving is something that's important to you, set a category for that in your budget that's called giving and assign giving a certain dollar amount that you can afford to give. So when someone asks you for money or to help or give support, you can say to them either yes, because you have it in your budget and you're willing to give it to them, or you can honestly say to them, no, I don't have money for that. Not that you don't have money, the words here are very important. I don't have money 
for that because that isn't in your budget. You are living your life based on a budget. And once all of your dollars are assigned, if something else comes up, that means you don't have money for that. Or you have to be willing to take it from another category to give it to that. I tell people all the time, right? The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. If, I, if being a blessing to you is going to be a burden on me and stress me out, then that's not being a blessing. Yeah, it is a blessing to be able to give. And it's not, a, it is not, listen, be, being generous, giving, sharing from what you have is a good thing. So let me say it to you this way. We are supposed to give not from our lack, but from our overflow. So if your cup is empty or is half full, or in other words, you don't have enough for yourself, you're not in a position to give because giving from that empty or less than full cup is going to create a burden for you. You don't have money for that. But if your cup is overflowing, it's that overflow that we use to bless others. That's that's when we can be truly very generous. But that's the reason why you make the sacrifices now. Because if part of your values, whether it's your culture or just a personal value, is to be generous and to support your family, to support your community, then you need to get yourself into a financial situation where you have more than enough so you can take care of your home, your needs, and have more than enough gift mail. The other phrase that comes to mind, the saying is you can't pour from an empty vessel. So if your if your cup is empty, your financial cup, your emotional cup, your mental cup is empty, you can't pour from that. So that that is the mindset shift I think that has to come around that and setting boundaries will help in doing that so that you can you can give, but you can set the parameters for what you are able to give based on what fits with your budget. And know that in time as your financial situation improves, you'll be able to give more. So we talk about a lot of things today, and if the audience could walk away with three things from all the great things we said, uh, what would those three things be for you? Oh, thank you for allowing me to summarize it like that. I think the number one thing that the listener should walk away with is this. Your financial wellness and well-being is absolutely essential to your overall well-being. That's number one. It, it's essential. And having a full you know, plan for that is going to be key to your financial well-being. Number two, the first step in getting that wellness around your finances is to know your numbers. Really do a great assessment of where you are now since you have a clear financial picture and then you can create a plan for where you want to go. The last thing um, is that ask for help. Don't don't be afraid. Don't suffer in silence. You know, don't let shame or all of that keep you from getting the help that you need to be financially free. So that may mean uh, finding a book getting a financial coach or taking a class like I offer, whatever it is, but don't be afraid to ask for help from someone who is further along on their journey to financial freedom than you are. That's what I would say. 
Well, Lisa, thanks for being on the show. I really do appreciate your time. Um, I know you're a very busy woman, so to take out your time to be on the show means a lot to me. And again, if you didn't hear at the beginning, Lisa is, you know, the founder of of Ascentant, and she really helps people with their finances no matter where you are in your financial journey. uh, She can be a good resource to you to help you get to where you want to be. So be sure to check out uh, Lisa L. Baker um, at Ascentant. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And I would love to come back at any time to continue the conversation. And thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of The Hoping Show. On our next episode, we will be talking about relationship. We all know when our relationships are messed up or are in tone or how much of a stress that can have on our health and wellness. So on the next episode, we will be bringing uh, a guest who is going to be focusing on relationship. Thanks for tuning into the whole Ben show today. We hope that you found value in today's episode and that it inspired you to live a more balanced and healthy life. Remember, we're here to help you balance your mind, nourish your body, and elevate your spirit one episode at a time. If you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and subscribe. Follow us on social media at journey underscore TWBS. Journey is spelled J-O-U-R-N-I-Y. We know wellness is a journey, but we also know that it needs to be inclusive. That's why we spell journey with an I. So go ahead Follow us, subscribe, and leave us a feedback because that's how we know to produce content that will be valuable to you.